anybody listening to this is going to be like, wait, I know you had a really good salary. You had to be in Mexico and Bermuda and you quit. Why are those things easy to walk away from? Almost 20 years ago, our paths crossed in the sneaker world. And since then, we've been on a professional and personal journey together. We've made a lot of mistakes and had a lot of fun and even a few wins along the way. Our goal is to share our experiences and insights so you don't have to make some of the same errors that we did. And in addition, we want to help you begin to think about things a little different. So join us as we unpack our unsolicited and sometimes polarizing views on business, faith, and family with questions that make you want to unfollow. Man, AP, welcome to episode three. Man, excited to uh, get going, man. It, it's like the weeks are going by faster, and so uh, yeah. I can't believe it's time to record another episode, man. Well, technically it's episode two, but it's our third session in, you know, this season. So, so officially it's episode two of season two. And you have homework after this episode. We got to find out who is that white lady behind you in this picture because there, there needs to be some kind of. It's like your aunt or like there's some like wealthy lynchburg aristocrat that is celebrated across the downtown area like something's going on there you know what the sad truth is she probably at some point was important and she's not yeah. anymore that's a well cautionary tale for all of us yeah they say 50 <laughs> years after you die no one will remember you that's pretty accurate although now that we have the internet uh you'll be on there but no one will be looking for you that's that's pretty <laughs> much how it happen um all right so Let's get into it today. Last week, we were pretty open and honest about the fact that, hey, we both have retired. <laughs> what was the word you used? Pre-tire. Pre-tirement. Pre-tirement. Yeah. We are in pre-tirement. <laughs> yeah. So this episode, let's jump in a little bit to um, leaving well. And like, let's get into some of the specifics about how you exited your role at Bacardi. Um, and then also, I want to talk a little bit about maybe some learnings that you've had over the last 20 years, specifically in marketing, right? I think there's... Ah, when you say 20, it sounds like I should be like... Re- I know. Really retired. Well, it's crazy to think that we've known each other longer than we haven't almost. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's yeah, mind-blowing. But I think there's probably some learnings in there that... Um, you know, the old highs and lows game that we can yeah. quickly like unpack. And then yeah. I also want to know what you're reading right now. So, Oh yeah. It's a smorgasbord. I have a library card now. So, uh, <laughs> every week I get new treats that are free. I don't have to pay for books anymore. You know, there's this thing called library. We go get free books. I, I didn't know they existed for adults until very recently. So are they uh, like real books or is thing. it digital? Oh, I do real books, man. But you can also do digital. There actually is a digital library. Libby, it's an app. So, yeah, yep. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that for sure. Yeah, I use uh, Hoopla. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But did you know that if you get a library card or you know someone that has a library card yeah. in a different city, your um, your materials are different. So you can get access to different books that, like, maybe your library doesn't have. Oh, that's really I didn't cool. know. Yeah. I think it's good. Although in Texas now, they're, they're probably uh, reducing how many books we'll be able to read about all sorts of things in history <laughs> or women's health or rights or whatever. So those library shelves in Texas are probably going to be very, uh, very scarce in, in a couple of weeks. So I'll, I'll start uh, getting some books from uh, my good friends in Virginia. So, yeah, I don't know that um, I understand um, the perspective of the politicians in Texas at all. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, no comment. <laughs> it's hot. It's hot today, man. Oh uh, man, how's that sa- how, between that and the South Lake podcast that we just oh, stumbled upon? Yeah, I just your people. The, uh, I the first two episodes of the South Lake podcast. Funny, my uh, one of my really good friends. I won't be too specific. Um, you know, is uh, a part of the South Lake uh, school kind of you know district and. Um, I have a whole new respect for them because of this. I'm like, wow, this is what you deal with. You know, right? like, yeah, the kids are acting like this. Just think about the parents. And so, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot. I think a lot of that hit home. You know, I've I've worked um, and been a part of the South Lake community for the past eight years. So, yeah, it's it's real. And I remember all the stories and all of the inequities that we've talked about and all the commitments for yeah. change. And so, yeah, I think maybe there's an upcoming episode. Let's let's dig into that. Maybe we'll. Um, kind of listen to some of the stuff let's and i love to have a discussion yeah. on like okay what do you do because yeah. you know during the pandemic you know everyone made pledges to do better be better and 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 to fight against what we all thought was a view of you yeah. know racism in our country and i think uh quite the opposite has happened in many ways we've taken steps back in every area from church to work to even our communities our school boards like especially this area where i'm in it's hot man yeah. it's scary <laughs> well, I think the interesting thing for folks that don't know about South Lake is it's that super wealthy suburb yeah. of Dallas and Fort Worth. And when you go there, it's like all of the nicest shops. Every brand has an outdoor shopping space. You know, every other car is a Tesla. And these neighborhoods are like perfectly groomed and beautiful. And then, boom, podcast drops about people that use the n-word all the time <laughs> yeah yeah they actually have parties <laughs> hey so yeah it's uh none of it's a surprise but you know i, I think yeah. you know as you, you know we talk about you know work so much of work is your environment and so for me i spent yeah. lots of lots of time with this community and so yeah it's, i'm trying to kind of wrap my head around the thoughts and ideas on i know so many good people but i also know that um you know my wife you know she's an educator she works with parents yeah. and kids yeah. in the South Lake. And so there's a whole different, you know, kind of spiel. There's a whole new tone. I think that like parents are now, I think mm-hmm. we've unleashed this new kind of climate, this kind of cultural war against so many things. And so, yeah, there's the, the decency we used to have and respect mm-hmm. is kind of gone. There are parents and there are teachers that are, yeah. say some things that are pretty, pretty rough. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll share as much as I can without getting in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I would not want to be on a school board right now. I'm watching Uh, folks in our own community here in Virginia lose their mind over masking or, um, what they consider to be like, uh, gender identity issues, um, in schools, which, you know, are a very, 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 very small percentage of our school anyway. Right. And I always am amazed, like when these people come unhinged and when you find out who the crazies really are, because you may be going to church with them, right? Or you may be in business with them and it's wild. Um, And I, I have found myself thinking if we were this concerned about keeping guns out of school, if we were as concerned about keeping guns out of school as we are about keeping masks out of school, we'd never have another um, shooting in a school ever again. If we were as concerned about keeping masks out of school, um, if we were concerned about feeding kids and taking care of kids and neglect, um, making sure every child could read, if we were as concerned about those things as we are about keeping masks out of school, 
man, we would have such a better future for our children. And it's like, I think we're just concerned about the wrong things. Yeah. 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 Question is why? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So, yeah, man, let's let's talk about, I mean, kind of related to that, you know, talk about career, right? And I, I use the word kind of workscaping, right? Because uh, now I actually do my lawn now. So I, every once a week, I actually have to, like, actually, like, do landscaping and trimming. Okay, and good, like, good. I'm glad you're talking about the outdoors. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about your, your person for a second there. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> Some <before>. manscaping. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, you look at your career is like, you know, in your work and everything you do is this kind of this thing that you have to nurture and manage. Yeah. And I think, you know, and, and I think for so long for me, like you look over a 20 plus year career, which sounds insane to say, you know, yeah. it, it reminds me of kind of like a, a pilot taking off where, you know, airplane takes off, you know, it's the land landings and takeoffs are where the pilot has to do it. And you talk to any other, any pilot, he'll tell you like during the air, man, you got, instrumentation you got cruise you got flight control you've got mm-hmm. all kind of like machines and computers that are keeping that plane uh taking advantage of lift and speed and like all the radar right but you know a leader right especially when you look think about your career as you know leading yeah. your own career whether you lead a big team or you lead a team of one which is yourself it's all about yeah. kind of that takeoff and like what do you do to set yourself up to get to that final destination the right way and yeah. so when i reflect on kind of leaving well you know i draw the analogy of landing well you know and i think one of the biggest challenges i think people make and even i made coming into my career coming in early or coming into a job is i assume just because i got the job i'm the right person for it right so oh they they hired me for the job or they gave me the i got the Mm -hmm. opportunity i'm the right person to do it and i think we rarely um take our own inventory right of like what i need to learn to actually do the job as I was hired to do. What, what, what do, how do I need to adapt? How do I need to pivot? Like, what are the skills I need to assess to like really, really start to, to, you know, lead up and, and build up to the expectations. I think for so long in my career, as I think about the times when I've had the biggest struggles, it was like, Oh, I got the opportunity. I got the promotion. That means I'm doing well. It's like, no, that, that's a horrible level. Like you need to start like leading differently, thinking differently. Right. Yeah. When I was head of marketing, head of digital, uh, for Patron, that was a very different role from leading the global team, you know, mm-hmm. and then leading the global team of Patron, it's like flying a, you know, it's like a flying an F-22. I mean, we were fast, we were mm-hmm. nimble, we were getting it done, mm-hmm. and we got bought by a bigger company. Now, I'm, you know, now the job is, hey, fly a, you know, a Airbus A380, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. those are two very different jobs. And so yeah. for me, I think, you know, part of my exit um, approach was realizing that I am no longer the right person to fly this plane because mm-hmm. you know I, i'm a fighter jet pilot i'm good patrolling I, w- I was the guy to do the job even though you know i think uh when the board talked about me uh, and they they were very candid about when i when i took the role they were like you're probably ready enough right so you, yeah like you, you could probably use a couple more years baking in the like leadership development oven but you know what you're ready enough to to lead this team um yeah. but for me you know as the role grew in scope you know a couple years later Right before my exit, I knew I'm not the right person to do mm. this job. Not only was it my own desires and ambitions, yeah. part of it was, you know, how we had to do the job. Right. And so some of the big company bureaucracy just wasn't my thing. And so I, I think, yeah. you know, part of 
leading and leaving yeah. well or landing well to really beat this uh, airplane analogy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad we moved away from yeah. the manscaping yeah, analogy. Yeah, we would far away from that, right? <laughs> Yeah. But it's like, man, it's that ability to have an honest assessment and yeah. audit of your own skills and like, am I the right person for this job? Yeah. And take your ego out of it and, you know, be able yeah. to, to really honestly assess it, man. Well, I think I would say that you were the right person for the job in the beginning, right? When oh, yeah. you're flying that F-22, right? Yeah. But like you said, when you became one of many, right, there became more of you and then there became you know, yeah. a much, a much bigger entity that you had to report into. Like, you're right. I don't think that that necessarily fits with your personality, right? It's not that no. you go rogue, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. things that you like to do that don't always get approval from or buy-in from everybody above you, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, and they've worked for you. You've been great at that. Um, so I would agree with yeah. you. I think like it was pretty clear once the organization got really big, it was like, eh. and the other thing is, is when the organization gets really big, Man, let's be frank. You spend a lot of wasted time doing stuff that never sees the light of day just because oh. you have to do it so that somebody else feels good. You're right. Don't, re don't remind me. You know, I heard that somebody say the fight of the future won't be like big companies versus small companies. It'll be fast versus slow. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can be big and fast, but like when you're a slow company yeah. and you've been fast and used to doing that, yeah. it's hard. I mean, it is like driving on the wrong side of the road if you, you know, moved over to yeah. Europe. Like, it is hard to get used yeah. to a culture where it's so, you know, just so different. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It's not a better or worse culture, just yeah. a different way of leading and working. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, you're, you're right. And me and Daryl had many a long conversations and I'm like, yeah. what am, oh, when you guys came to Bermuda. So uh, you guys came to visit me in Bermuda, yeah. right? We, we had a good time there. Yeah, yeah. let's oh, talk about great. that real quick. Let's yeah. talk about that real quick. Cause <laughs> that is, anybody listening to this is gonna be like, wait, I know you had a really good salary. You had to be in Mexico and Bermuda. And you quit like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Right. But I think what I want you to dive into a little bit is like, why are those things easy to walk away from? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's good. I think, you know, every job or role, right. There is like the, you know, I think, um, people refer to them, right. Like the hygiene factors, right. They're the things that lead that they don't lead to job satisfaction. They just make you not dissatisfied, right? Mm. So you got salary, you got pay, you got benefits, you got a corner office in South Lake, uh, yeah. you got, you know, oh, Bermuda, you got all these things. So these yeah. things are, they don't lead to satisfaction, but they keep you from being dissatisfied. Yeah. Satisfaction, right, is like, am I doing the best work of my yeah. career with people I love? Am I being yeah. rewarded? Am I, yeah. uh, am I doing what I want to do? Am I doing something that matters, right? But yeah. those are the, the levers of satisfaction. I think so often with me, you know, I got to the point where it's just like I wasn't really satisfied, you know. And I think to me, the definition of a leader, uh, well, my definition is a person that creates the conditions for success. Right. No matter mm -hmm. what business could be family, you create the conditions for success. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, like, if I want to take responsibility for, for success of a team or people or a project, Right, it, it, that's kind of my job. And so even though we were hitting all our performance goals, we killed it, like killed it. Brand goals, business goals, commercial goals. You know, we did exactly, I led the results we needed to happen. I knew I just wasn't the guy to create the conditions for future success because future success, you know, the flight plan had really changed to, to be a, a, different, a different kind of setting. And so it takes a lot of emotional honesty 
and emotional bravery, like some yeah. courage to say, like, I'm going to walk away from this thing and walk mm -hmm. away from the things that have been serving me um, mm -hmm. to take a chance on something new. Because I'm not walking into anything that's like yeah. certain, right? Like, yeah. you're asking what I'm doing right now. This week, I'm reading books. I'm writing. I'm researching. I'm hanging out with my kids. Yeah. Um, We're doing I'm this. Doing the lawn. Like, yeah. like it's, it's not like I stepped into, yeah. oh, you know, like Elon Musk called me. I'm running, you know, marketing for, you know, Tesla, right? So, my, yeah. so that's, some people would say that's crazy. And I don't know, maybe two years from now, I'll look back and <laughs> see how crazy too. <laughs> well, I think you touched on something that was really cool. Um, so that idea is a leader is a person that creates uh, the conditions for success, right? That's that's an amazing definition of a leader. So I think like pulling pulling that out just a little bit, yeah. that's not somebody on an island by themselves, right? Like you yeah. could have been fine on your own, but I think when you're looking at all the people that you're trying to raise up to another level, you know, all the people that you're trying to grow, I think you looked at that and said, well, I would rather prepare them to do well and then exit, if that makes sense, rather than, yeah. you know, me do well personally and them just be okay. Yeah. And so I think what the conversation, if I recall that you and I were having in Bermuda, so like just to create a little bit of like mental clarity for you guys, AP and I are hanging out in Bermuda together. We're probably in a, what would you say, a $2 million corporate apartment. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. You know, it Outside was, the windows, a yacht, you know, like it's, it's a nice place. Trust me. It's a nice place, right? He's walking across the street in Bermuda shorts to the, you know, <laughs> HQ. And, um, but he's coming home every afternoon going like, man, I just, I'm just not feeling it, you know? And isn't that crazy? Like you're in the most beautiful yeah. place in the world. You know, we're in this amazing space. We're looking out over the ocean together and you're like, Man, I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. And so it was like, okay. Yeah. You know, and so track forward two years, right? Like, how do you feel now? Yeah, you know, it I feel, you know, part of uh part of I think, you know, career or work planning is just timing, right? And I think I know I made the right decision, but you know, there's these phases that you go through, especially at leadership or executive level, right? When you're trying to do something different. Yeah. Um, so whether you're leading a church, leading a nonprofit, a school, you know, or just your own little project that you're doing, right? And when yeah. you come against like turbulence, you come against something that's wrong. Yeah. Your my your first instinct is okay. Well, something's wrong. The, the person's yeah. wrong. The project's wrong. Yep. Uh, the some somebody else is wrong, right? And then as you go through, you cycle through. So in Bermuda, I'm cycling through. Like man, everybody's like these things are different. They're wrong. So you're trying to challenge and change mm -hmm. and like you're championing for the right thing, right? You're fighting for the right way to do business or build a yeah. brand or team. And then you go through this little lull where you're like, oh, no, maybe I'm wrong. And then you start self-doubting, right? So I went through this long phase of like I'm doubting myself. So even though we're kicking butt on performance, yeah. I'm doubting yeah. myself. Maybe, maybe you know, I didn't, I didn't do that the right way. I didn't do the props. Like you're doubting yourself because yeah. you're not able to use your gifts in a way where, where you're getting – affirmation and then i think you ultimately reach kind of the, the the finale right of this kind of like um really psychological journey where you realize you know what like it's not that the place is wrong or i'm wrong it's just not a fit like we're just not compatible so mm -hmm. like it doesn't mean that i'm not a good marketer or leader it doesn't mean this company is not a great place to work 
mm-hmm. for someone else, it's a great place to work. So I think what cleared it for me was, you know, when I would see other people who like love being in meetings all day, <laughs> like there were yeah. people like, oh, you like this? Oh, I love it. They, they love the meetings and they love like doing all these workflow charts and like they loved all the presentation to the board. Like there are people that love this stuff. I'm like, oh, it's like. It's, it's not that I'm wrong. It's, it's not a fit, right? And so yeah. I, I think, you know, as a leader, right, creating conditions for success, that means getting someone else the yeah, opportunity. Let me slide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, someone else needs to actually do that who who finds value in that, who, yeah. who can thrive in that environment because I want yeah. the team to be successful yeah. even if I, I can't do it. But I, I'd That's say good. this. There are so many people that don't do that. Have you? I mean, we've all worked for miserable mm-hmm. managers, miserable yep. leaders. Yeah. You yep. know, they are like every day they probably put a shot of whiskey in their coffee just yep. to make it through the day. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Like how many people are miserable because their manager is, yep. isn't a fit for them? Like yeah. I didn't, I never wanted to be that person, man. Yeah. Well, would you have left earlier? Now oh, knowing what you know, yeah. would you have left earlier? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I should have. I, I would have left maybe a year or two earlier, but you know, pandemic yeah. hit. Yeah, you know, for me it was all about the team. I I, yep. I, I couldn't walk away from yep. the people. I, I mean, I'd hired several people. I'd hired new leaders. I'd hired new teams, new agencies. Right. So you literally, you know, at that point, I felt like I had, yep. you know, this is a multi-billion-dollar brand like on my back. And so there were so yep. many things that, like, oh, I had to be there to connect the dots. Like I, I hadn't yep. hadn't necessarily prepared um, a place where they would thrive without me. Right. But. Yep. You go on and you start hiring the right people. You know, I, I remember I had this moment, and I, I'm curious to hear yours as well. The moment I realized the team was going to be okay, but even better without me. You know, I was on a meeting, and it was like I'd hired a new vice president of marketing for North America, and she was on a call with our Mexico team. They were talking, and I didn't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. Like I remember just being there, like they got it. Yeah. Like this is like they're, they're not going to do it how I would do it. We don't agree on everything. Like, it doesn't matter, but mm-hmm. they got it. Like, yeah. this is going to be okay. Like, walk away. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. it will. And so that's when I felt I gave myself permission to yeah. start planning an exit. Because until you have that psychological pivot, yeah. you know, for you, it's not going to happen. I'm curious for you, at what point did you say, like, the team's got it? Like, yeah. they'll thrive without me. I mean, that's a yeah. hard decision yeah. and uh, yeah. thing to, to really acknowledge. Well, I think if we're using your definition, um, specifically inside of an organization, right? For a leader yeah. that a person that creates conditions for success, right? That is where I was at as well. And my team was thriving and they were doing great work and they were really only coming to me for a handful of things at the end of the day. And one of them was helping to make ways for them when they would hit roadblocks, right? They would run into a roadblock with a person. They would run into a roadblock on an idea and I would just help them work through it. And a lot of them, a lot of that became me just asking them questions back. It wasn't necessarily doing it for them. It was just me asking them questions about what would you do, let, giving them permission to kind of do it themselves. And so once they started answering those questions correctly and working it out for themselves, it was pretty clear. But I was a lot like you where um, I knew that um, when Joe got diagnosed with cancer, like, I needed to be there more. And I was really ready to go. And then the pandemic hit and I couldn't leave. I just knew that like our business was so tied to things like trade shows that 
there had to be somebody there to help them figure out a new way. And we did, you know, there had to be somebody there to make sure that these new products that we were getting ready to launch got, you know, launched. I just felt that responsibility. Um, and I think when you look at my body of work over the course of whatever my lifetime is, is and you've heard me say this before, yeah, yeah. I, I just want it to be written on my tombstone that I showed up. You know, and so I felt like staying through all of last year was just me showing up when, you know, Sackett needed me, when my team needed me, that kind of stuff. And then once you could feel that season coming to a close, you know, it was about leaving well. To your point, it was about landing the plane well. But um, I think you are exactly right. And when you think about these conditions that you've created a space where all the people that are working, you know, on your team then they, they can do the job. They can thrive. And sometimes you just need to get out of the way. Um, yeah, yeah. I, think you're, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. Looking back at the last eight years, right, um, as you led Patron, it feels like it was just this, like, sharp rise, right? Like, you got in, you got on board. The brand was growing. You guys were doing like really crazy cool stuff. It felt it felt like almost like old school Patron that was showing up in hip hop songs. And it yeah. felt like <laughs> that through your yep. eight years there, like I was texting you at least once a week about like, oh my gosh, there's another Patron reference. Like if you and I ever start a liquor brand, let's just make sure it rhymes <laughs> with things, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, I think back to Fair. our our art our art installation in New York that we were at together where you guys did the, the VR with all of the, the packaging and like the, the photography and then like the art of Patron and like it, it was like these awesome events that you were doing. And then you started doing the collaborations on the bottles and all that kind of stuff. And then the updates of the Hacienda and it just felt like it was going like this. Yeah. And then you get bought by yeah. Bacardi. Yeah. Right. And it felt like, wow, what a, an awesome ride. Um, was there any time along that ride that was a low point for you, though, where you were just like, Ooh, was this question. was this the right decision? Am yeah. I the right person? Like, to, back to your point, am I the right person? Like, was there ever a moment even of self-doubt throughout it all? It's a good question. I think, you know, I guess the benefit of time is now you can look back and see things and patterns and recognize some signs that you maybe weren't aware of when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. But even now, I had the benefit of talking to people who were a part of my team at Patron, right? And we, we kind of reminisced and we're like, man, like, yeah. A, I think we knew how good we had it. And we knew some of it was just timing. You know, our, even our president, Ed Brown, would say, like, um, we don't know if we're good or we're lucky. It's probably a bit of both. Yeah. But something has happened, right, where you had this brand in this category, right? So tequila category is growing, you know, uh, double digits globally. You had the hottest brand in the category that is now premium so people are looking for premium so like some of that was this category kind of forces and tectonic things that we just recognized it and we got on it so i think part of the part of the big challenge especially in leadership is like hey what's what's going on down the field what's changing and how do you hop on it quick and exploit that but you know i, I remember several times when um it was just an amazing journey we work with the best people got to hire an amazing team agencies like it was, you know, dream, dream job yeah, times yeah. 10. No cash flow had, problems where you yeah, can't Yeah, no cash know, flow problems. Yeah. Like, we're making full bonus plus every year. I mean, we're, I mean, yeah. you know, a $5 billion acquisition. I mean, it was like textbook, you know, the things, you know, that, that you dream of happening in your career. I think for me, I never had a low point in the role because every 
18 months or so, I got a new challenge. So I got a chance to, you know, mm-hmm. take on a new team, take on a new project. And so I think, you know, kudos to, you know, my, you know, leader and mentor, Lee, he was able to like keep giving me stuff so that I never got bored, right? So for me, Enneagram 7, you know, low points are like probably when I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember I did have times when I questioned whether or not I should be there. Not because the work wasn't great and the team wasn't great. I just had times of kind of self-reflection where I was like, is this what I'm meant to do, right? Mm-hmm. And the, those quiet moments when like, man, yeah, had a great time. We hit all our goals. Project went great. Media coverage, awards, mm-hmm. big bank, big check in on the yep. bank. Yeah, I'm like, man, is this what I'm supposed to do? So those were the times I wrestled most. Mm-hmm. Even if I look at my journal, uh, you know, entries, it's like yeah. I'm just wrestling with like, I think I'm supposed to be doing something different. And yeah. you know, there was never a time where I felt low, but I I did know that um, I'm I'm on a clock. Yeah, and I knew the time was ticking, so that I knew there would be an exit at some point to do something different. And we talked about this career 2.0. We've been talking about that for years, man. We've been talking yeah. about that for at least five years. Yeah. Now we're here, and I don't know what career 2.0 exactly is, yeah. but I always knew. So it wasn't necessarily a low point, but it was a point of realizing that uh, as much as this feeds me and we're having success, yeah. I know there's more or something different, and I didn't exactly know what to do with those feelings at, at that time. How did you wrestle out being a, such a strong believer, leader in your church, and then also on Monday turning around and selling alcohol? Was there ever yeah. a moment which you really struggled with that? And how did you wrestle that out? Maybe for yourself or even for others that probably were asking that question a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd get that question not as frequently as you would think. You would think I'd get it all the time. Like at church, yeah. like most people are like, oh, yeah, Patron, it's cool. Like, so like you, you have like a deacon or elder <laughs> or a minister like, yeah, yo, Patron, yo, can you slip yeah, me a bottle? So, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of cool. Like, so I rarely, you know, a handful of conversations where somebody would ask like, you know, you know, you're a believer, you believe in Christ, but then alcohol or, you know, I have, you know, I have friends, right, who have uh, parents or family members who have struggled with alcohol. So they're like very like, and it's a dry household, like we don't even yeah. touch it because they've seen the devastating effects of alcohol yeah. abuse, I yeah. think. So for me, I think part of it was, and Daryl, you had the benefit, you've gone down to Totonilco, Mexico, you've yeah. seen the Hacienda. Yeah. So you've seen like, take away all the mentions in the videos, Take away yeah. hashtag Patron on Instagram where it's like club nights and bottles and yeah. and bikinis. Take away trips to Bermuda. Take away all the stuff yeah. and get down to the actual product. And, you know, this is an empty bottle of Topo Chico, right? But it's like <laughs> the Patron product, the purpose, the yeah. mastery people put into it, the passion of uh, Mexico. Yeah. Uh, like that was Patron, right? And so when you go to the Hacienda, you see the yeah. care people put it like how it not only does it provide for an entire community, the yeah. largest employer in the region, yeah. we take care of our employees, we treat them with dignity, but we also like education and orphanages. And like, to me, that was the heart of our company. And that's something that like most people don't ever get to see. So there was like yeah. this, the, the, the myth of Patron, which was like, you know, club bottles, bottles. Mm-hmm. And then there was the kind of the, the process and the people those are two totally different things. And yeah, so for me, I, just, yeah. I fell in love with just that part of it. Yeah. And you know, I think we were successful there. But no, I'll be honest. I mean, there, there were times, you know, you get the Google alerts on your brand and, you know, somebody would, you know, get in a wreck or, you know, a father yeah. would, you know, alcohol abuse or just tragedy. Like yeah. people's, you know, last text to their mom because they just downed some Patron and went the wrong way on the freeway. 
and you're seeing your brand attached to somebody's death, yeah, right? Like yeah. that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have moments, right, where you recognize yeah. anything can, can be abused, hmm. and so I, yeah, I think for me, I, I never struggled mindly with working there because I knew that God had a purpose for me being there. And now mm-hmm. on the other side of it, now that I left, I can clearly see the purpose that I was there. So I never yeah. thought I was there for my own kind of, you know, intents or my own kind of vanity. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, I realized that, you know, God, we need believers. We need people, you know, everywhere, yeah. you know, um, yeah. in every area, in every industry, yeah. even now, so more than ever. Um, I need I need strong believers in school boards. I need strong <laughs> believers, you know, in industry. I need I need them yeah. everywhere. And so, yeah, no, I'm uh, it, I never wrestled big time with it, but I did struggle sometimes with uh, right. But I thought, you know, what my goal would be, you know, make sure I'm responsibly marketing Patron, all the yeah. media I buy, the things I do, like I'm making sure that I'm doing it in a way yeah. that honors responsible drinking, even if there are times when it gets misused. Yeah, it's funny. I would always tell friends like when we would go out, like, "Hey, I'm drinking yeah. for charity," and they'd be like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, I know by asking specifically for you know Patron. Yeah. Well, in Texas, it'd be Patron and Ranch Water, right? That like, yeah. or Patron and Topo for Ranch Water. That um, you know, a portion, at least a portion of your paycheck was going back to stuff that really mattered. I'm know? drinking for my friend. Is he alive? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He works for Patron. Oh, yeah, okay. exactly, exactly. <laughs> No, nah, man. Um, so real quick, you know, we've talked about how you you went through this wild ride and at times you felt like, uh, am, am I supposed to be here? And then finally you said, hey, I'm supposed to go. Um, but throughout all of that, the last eight years, there has to be a moment where you really unlocked something new in marketing, Right. Um, that maybe up until that point you hadn't been challenged to do yet. Maybe it's just leadership. Yeah. But what was that thing that you unlocked over the last eight years during that ride where you were like, this is, this is something worth like writing a book about. It's worth like yeah, repeating. Yeah. I can become a consultant <laughs> off of yeah. this idea. Like what yeah. is it over the last eight years? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a hard one to answer because I think so much of the magic of Patron was you know, it really was the people. And that sounds like such a executive cliche. Oh, yeah. But it really is. was the team, right? It was like, I got to work with smart people. Sometimes I got to hire them. Sometimes yeah. I just got to work with them and partner with them. You know, we, yeah. we did some stuff together with Morin Giles, right? So got a chance just to work with amazing people. And so yeah. oftentimes, right, you know, like awards or recognition. Um, even when I left, right, you get this individual recognition. But, you know, like those results are like truly team, team moments. But, you know, I think about... Probably around 2016. So 2016 was when um, Patron kind of made a pivot. So not only did we become the most talked about brand globally, right? So we had to pass yeah. like, you know, Hennessy or Ciroc and Diddy. Like, you know, th- yeah. think about like in the spirits industry, there's a ton of celebrities, a ton of brands. Yeah. Right. And Patron has always been there. But, you know, we never really flexed our muscles. And so 2016 was probably the first time that you saw Patron take on a whole new, you know, we started with the augmented reality, virtual yeah. reality. So we're using technology, you know, new cutting edge technology to market, you know, a handcrafted product. Yeah. We were most talked about in the news and industry. We were winning awards. Like that was when you saw Patron show up as mm-hmm. Patron. That's when, yeah. like, I think we all had a moment where we're like, oh, this is happening, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. you're, you're probably texting me, like, oh, you guys did something else new, yeah. right? And, yeah. and it was just that, it was just that kind of rolling thunder 
yeah. of decisions we had made two or three years ago to be yeah. brave, to be intellectually honest, yeah. uh, to not be constrained by capital, have a big idea. So, mm-hmm. you know, it started two years ago, right? And, and just that, that kind of process. But I, I remember those times when you, you know, when I remember our probably a couple moments when our competitors, right? So I'll be at a conference or whatever yeah. in Germany or, you know, in New York for a trade show or something. And our competitors would come up to me and be like, I got to say, like, they would oh. give us props. Like, I got to say, like, you guys are doing an amazing job. That's or, hey, you know, th- that was a great. Or, yeah. man, I'm kind of getting tired of seeing you guys in the news. But, like, yeah. props to you. Like, when, you, when you're a direct competitor, right, another tequila walks across the floor at a meeting and is yeah. like, props. Right? Yeah. That's when I was like, yeah. oh, that's got it. Him. Right? I got him. Like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And I remember so humbled by that. Because yeah. I was never a spirits guy. Most people in the spirits are spirits yeah. people. They've been there for 20 years. Yeah. I came in, I was a, I don't know, I'd done every other job. And so for me, mm-hmm. um, I think that curiosity was a part of the, the secret ingredient yeah. was this. I questioned everything. And so yeah. there were things where they said, you can't do that. Why not? Because yeah. we just don't do that. Let's try. Okay. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah. the, the, you know, that, that was kind of the, the, the formula. So yeah, I think when yeah. you get those... 2016, 17 was when it yeah. was just like, and then we so much fun in 2018. Yeah. yeah, so it was great. Yeah, well, I, I will say this, and I think this is at the core of it. Anytime that you have fresh ideas and an open checkbook. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah you and I have both <laughs> been in places where we both had fresh ideas yeah. and no checkbook, and yeah, no money, which is when you're shooting at, at the mall on a weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But when you have fresh ideas and a real checkbook that's open, right? And yeah. the people, and to your point, like the people are like, okay, don't get hurt out there, right? Like, yeah, you know, y'all be careful playing, don't get hurt. Um, you can really make some things happen. Um, I also think too, like when you look in that category specifically of of premium spirits, right? I heard this the other day. I thought it was really good. My buddy said, "I don't bend over to buy liquor." <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I was like, bro, that is good. He's like, because I don't consume it that hard, right? Like, I buy it for special occasions. I buy it for an evening with my wife. I buy it for a buddy's coming over to have a drink. Like, I don't buy it to pound it, right? He's like, so I don't bend over to buy liquor. And Uh, I was like, man, that's good, right? That's good, yeah. But when I think about Patron, I I definitely think about having to reach up, right? Reach up, reach up, reach up. And a lot of that was already set for you by the price, right? Like yeah. you yeah. didn't, you didn't do that, right? Like so, you walked into a space where you already had a product that was being charged a premium for, but you walked walked into a space that because of that, the marketing was super safe, right? It's a blank bottle on a white page, you know, and so yeah. I feel like the things that you did uh, allowed some of that to continue where it was safe. But they allowed you to play in the edges where it was like, well, if that goes bad, it's okay. So, like, getting back to VR, getting back to the Art of Patron, you know, getting back to the Hacienda improvements and tour. Like, all that kind of stuff was like, well, if that goes bad, we're not going to lose the brand on it, right? But when all that went really well, it just, like, continued to elevate the value of this thing. Yeah. You know, tracking forward all the way till somebody's yeah. like, "Yeah, I'll sign a five billion dollar check." Yeah, I'll, I'll, right I'll buy that. Yeah. What was the final That's buyout good. on that? Yeah, you, what it was, was five point one billion? Dang! Yeah. Like the bees. Yeah, I wish I wish I got a bee, but you know, I got you a little some 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 some, but it wasn't a bee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it, I think you make such a great point. It's funny we uh, we got you know when we uh, were acquired by Picardi, you know, I spent probably the first two two years like people, what's the patrol magic? Like, what's the thing? Like, people are ready. Like, they had a notepad or like, uh, yeah. send me your slide. What's your framework? Like, like what's what's the? Give me the structure. Give me the. I spent yeah. you know you're literally eighteen plus twenty four months maybe. Uh, Hey, saying like, hey, like, yeah. I mean, we have some ideas, or we have some ways that we worked, ways of working, mm-hmm. if you want to say that. But honestly, the magic of Patron was the ability for like three or four people mm-hmm. to get around a table, or a text thread, or a call, make a decision, and pivot, and go do it. And yeah. so, if you do that over time, right? So in a year, yeah, right. If we got ten big ideas done, right? So we're running the business. So we're doing all the things you do to run your business, and then mm-hmm. we're getting ten new programs out right yeah if yeah. half of those fail right we got five new ideas yeah. they're going to drive incremental growth revenue profit right so yeah. five big ideas every year the same company right or our competitors say you got you slower more approvals yep it's molasses management yeah. you do four things that year and two of them work Half. So you got two things, right? So every year, right? So over like an eight-year career, yeah. our toolkit just becomes like crazy. We're like, we can do anything. Yeah. Where And so that was the, the benefit yeah. was we weren't smarter. We actually, you know, our budget actually wasn't the biggest. Um, it was a good budget. Uh, <laughs> Let's just be like, honest. Your, yeah. <laughs> your personal travel budget was bigger than my entire marketing budget at Moore Giles. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, yeah. <laughs> but, but hey, you had to live the brand. Yeah. But your point, but your point is is valid, right? It's like yeah. we had the ability to to move our rudder faster, right? Yeah. And it's crazy to think yeah. about Patron being like quick twitch muscles, right? As opposed to somebody from Diageo, you know, it takes all these approvals to go through and all that kind of stuff. And I think some of the best examples of that were in the collaborations that you guys did. Like with kind of honestly niche people in in spaces, right? What were a couple of those, and and how were how they work yeah. out? Yeah, we did some really cool stuff. You know, like uh, you know, we had some, a tattoo artist, Danny Boy, and you know, and uh, in New York, Marcus Graham Project, right? For uh, minority, right. you know, in, internships. Uh, Diet starts Monday, a fashion brand, kind of still niche boutique in L.A. Like. We were able to, it was all about reciprocity, right? So if we were going to mm-hmm. partner with Top Chef yeah. or we're going to partner with, you know, Chef Marcus Samuelson, it was always, always about like, we, we won't just cut checks, right? It's got to be like, yeah. it's got to be an exchange of value, yeah. meaning like you're a fan, yeah. you're uh, a Patron loyalist. Like there, there's yeah. this value exchange where it felt like a partnership. You know, people, yeah. everyone says partnership, but it really was that. We, we never really cut big endorsement checks and things like that. It was yeah. all about like, Finding people who who were passionate about our brand and finding ways for us to work together. And the team has taken it to a whole yeah. new level now. You know, beyond even what I expected. So yeah. Who was the movie point. director that you guys did that really cool collaboration with? Oh yeah, yeah, Guillermo del Toro. So Guillermo del Toro, you know, he's a he's actually from Jalisco, so Guadalajara, Mexico. He's from yeah. the birthplace of tequila. Yeah. Uh, you know, award winning. You know, director. You know, um, The Shape of Water. Uh, all kind of amazing, you know, I think, um, shows. And I think, uh, he, you know, he, he never, he's not a partnership guy. He didn't work with people. Yeah. Right. Uh, he worked with us and we designed a custom bottle and packaging and, you know, it was an amazing partnership, yeah. but it was all, it was all reciprocity. It was, like, Oh, I'm from here. Yeah. I love tequila. 
yeah. visit our hacienda, yep. meet our master distiller, and yep. we have a conversation. You know, it's yep. like it's like it sounds so old school now in yep. the day of like you know direct to consumer e-commerce, yeah, like partnership paying an influencer, yeah, 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 yep. clicks, clicks, conversions. Yep. This yep. was like, oh, let's just let's have let's have so, have a meeting. Yeah, it took us a, maybe two years just to figure out what to do. Like, yep. so that was twenty four months of like, yeah, we could do something, and then right, yep. so it sounds old school. It sounds slow, um, yeah. but things like that can happen. To your point, when you're doing all the right things and the basics, yeah. you can do some of those big, big swings. And if you're not doing the right things on the basics, yeah. you don't have time, bandwidth, or approval yeah. <laughs> to do any other cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're 45 minutes into this podcast, and I would tell you that the t- key takeaway in all this, like the secret sauce that you and I have had in our careers, is that we find good people to work with. And that's how we move forward, right? Like, I, I think my my favorite thing when I would talk to somebody about doing a collaboration at Moore and Giles, that I'd just be like, hey, we just like working with people that we enjoy spending time with. And if you get this product and you're like, hey, it's nice, but it's not for me, like, that's okay. I would rather you get the product and absolutely love it and the story behind it and the quality of it, and then we can figure out something to do together. And I feel like that you guys worked the same at Patron. And if somebody was, you know, we had multiple times where there were athletes or um, celebrities kind of that we were looking to like put a bag on or to have become a partner and all that kind of stuff. And it was just forced. It was weird. Yeah. But yeah. if I sent you a, a care package of our bags and um, even a piece of furniture and you're like, oh my God, I just love this and I love the quality and the story and all that kind of stuff. Then it was like, I knew, it was like, okay, this is the kind of person that we want to work with. Yeah, it felt natural. Yeah, Yeah. chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, 45 minutes into this podcast, if you're into marketing, that's the key takeaway. When you're getting ready to do a promotion, a collaboration, work with somebody, make sure that they absolutely love your product first. Don't try to force it, right? Like, don't try to make it work by spending. Um, Make it work by relationship. And I think if that's the start to all of your collaborations or your cross-marketing stuff, man, it's going to be a much easier um, campaign for you. It's going to be much easier long-term. You're going to have better relationships. I think you're going to have better outcomes from something that you and or someone that you just really enjoy working with. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Authenticity. I know it's overused, but yeah. it's really underappreciated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and, and it's an easy way to start the, the conversation, right? It's like when you're yeah. talking to somebody about doing a partnership or relationship together, paid, unpaid, whatever, you just say like, I really like our relationship now, right? Yeah. If we exchange money or goods, I, I still want to like our relationship. And so like, if we're not going to have a good, good relationship yeah. after that, then like, I'd rather just not do it, and that's okay. And it's almost like it's freeing for that person on the other side, whether they're an athlete or celebrity or chefs like you guys worked with a lot. And I think that they respond better to that than they say, than, hey, just work with my agent and write the check, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that never – we got all kind of, you know, celebrities that now have their own brands or, you know, there's yeah. – who's who of celebrity have approached us? We're like, nah. Doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. So yeah, it was just it was a business opportunity for us. You know, it wasn't about the commercial or cutting the check. It was about hey, making a difference, doing something that mattered to something different and unique that we can look back on like ten years from now and be like, oh, that was really cool. Versus yeah. hey, 
I, I made more money. Uh, you know, we're gonna make money too, but yeah, it was about you know making something meaningful. All right, so some quick basic marketing blocking and tackling. Um, you had tons of influencers reach out to you at Patron. Um, how did you handle those situations, right? Because that's so hot right now. I'm, if I'm an influencer, hey, I've got 100,000 followers, I love to travel, um, I would like you guys to sponsor me. How did you handle those conversations? Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's a, it's a really hot topic. I'd say I was probably in the minority being that my only benefit is because I was, you know, running the brand. My voice and my vote mattered more than others. But I'd say I was an outlier. I was very much about the... I don't rent relationships. I build mm. them, right? So I don't rent, you know, hey, do a post. And, you know, uh, especially in, in, you know, I was in the liquor industry, man. I mean, so many people, like, it's pay to play for everything. You go to, you know, hashtag and sponsor, partner. And to, I hate it. It's the worst mm-hmm. of marketing. It's the yeah. worst because, A, it doesn't work because nobody, like, we, and we spent money, not we, but our related companies spent money to research, like, if it worked, like, no, it didn't work if you just pay somebody to post on a Friday at 5 p.m. Yeah. Hey, yeah. enjoying a Patron and Tonic on the beach. Buy Patron. Of course, I didn't have to test that. Like, And so that was probably my thing yeah. where it's like, no, take the time to build a genuine relationship. Like, get to know mm-hmm. them. Introduce them to your product. Get to know their values. Yeah. What, what do they care about? Those were always yeah. better relationships uh, for, for us especially. So, yeah, never rent. Build it. Be patient. But yeah. also, I would say I'm biased because, you know, I was working for one of the most popular brands. Yeah, it was e- a little bit easier, so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I was starting a brand today, like Adrian's, you know, Adrian's... It's fizzy water. water <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I might be trading some product, you know, so... Renting some, renting some to, relationships. Yeah, exactly. No, but yeah, I, I, I think you're right. some relationships. <laughs> I think even, even there, like if you're trying to start your own brand right now, renting relationships isn't going to be successful long-term for you. Like build meaningful ones, people that really like the soap that you make or the uh, paintings that you create or the brownies that you bake, right? Like, and tell them the story behind it and they will tell other people. I think to your point, like, I don't care what size you are. I don't think renting relationships is wise. It, you're right. It's going to be a little bit slower, but you have to really build a relationship and tell your story. and I tell people all the time, we weren't cheap. Like, no, we pay you for your time. So you're a photographer. You're going to take a yep. picture. Like, I'm paying you for that. But I'm not going to, like, pay you to act like we have a relationship, right? So I'm yep. going to pay you for your time if we're, you're working at an event, you're cooking at an event, of course, right? Yeah. But I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to socialize or commercialize something that doesn't exist. And that's what a lot of influencer marketing is. Yeah. is we're creating, we're fabricating this mirage of a relationship mm-hmm. or loyalty or trust yep. in the product. Yep. I'd rather yep. let me earn the trust. If you don't like my product, tell me why. Let me earn your trust so yep. that you know now it becomes more of a long-term opportunity. Yeah. But th- that takes bravery to, to do that, yeah. Well, and I think people listening to this might say, okay, well, how do I really do that? How did you guys really do that? One of the specific ways that you guys did that was starting to bring tastemakers, specifically and bartenders, down to the Patron headquarters, right? And say, Hey, here's how we actually make the product. Yep. And I, I know that once you had them there and they were a captive audience and they saw the people, they, they met them, they saw how it was made, they saw the story like really happening, then they became Patron fans, right? It wasn't like this yeah. big yeah, yeah. brand. It was very personal. Yeah. And I think the same can apply to a small business that you're starting out of your own kitchen, right? Like when you invite somebody over and you show them like, hey, this, uh, there's a guy in town that makes knives, right? 
he, like he's forging his own knives. He's making his own knives. I'm watching him. Cool. He's like it's cool, right? Like yeah. and like I'll buy them as gifts for other people because like I want to support him number one, but I like the story. And I think like it's true no matter what scale you're on. Like the best thing you can do is invite people in, you know, we all have heard this before as marketers, create those hundred super fans, right? And then it, your brand will grow from that. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be done, like you said, in the business side of it, and the organizational side and pricing and all that. But I think it really starts with like having people come in the door, see how you actually make it, and like tell other people that, man, I really like these people and the thing that they do. So. Yeah, I think good product and good customer service are the most underrated marketing oh, tactics. Right? Just like so just true. make a product people this dependable, good quality, people believe in it. Yep. An inspired story. Yep. Right. And serve them well. Right. And you know, that it's not a, a magic, you know, um, you wand to success, but it, yep. unless you have that, those other things become d- distractions anyway. Yeah. So I think you, that's, that's the foundation. That is a conversation for an upcoming episode, but I've been consulting multiple brands since I left. Yeah. And one of the things that I tell them all is that customer service is your brand. Once you make and sell this widget, whatever that is, customer service becomes the brand. And if yeah. you don't do that well, like your brand will suffer. So your biggest yeah, spend good. after figuring out what your product is is customer service. Yeah. Don't like don't be afraid to spend in that area. So all right. So to wrap this up, what are you reading right now? Like Ooh, I know you're probably good. reading a, bil- yeah, I'm, a billion I'm things. Several books. Uh, uh, most so of them I'm have big pictures yeah. and areas to color. <laughs> yeah, there's like these cardboard books. <laughs> and I put, you know, no, it's um so I'm reading some James Baldwin because I'm just falling back in love with less literature like so. For those that don't know but, who James Baldwin is, come on, like help people <laughs> understand who he is. I, they can Google him, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You can Google James Baldwin, but you know he's the to me he's the you know uh, poet laureate of Black mm-hmm. America, right? So yep. you know he's uh probably one of the most recognized African American I think yep. uh, authors of of our time. He's pa- passed away in the '80s, but you know just. Yeah. An amazing writer who not only his ability to paint pictures and use rhetoric, but like yeah. he was very like, you know, he could be polarizing. Right. He talks about sexuality, he talks about racism. He talked about yeah. uh, faith, like in all these works of fiction. So I'm falling back in love with reading was really mm. good writing because I'm trying to become okay. a better writer myself. And then I think, you know, for, you know, you guys, if you're in business or, um, you know, you're looking at organizational growth, I've, I'm reading Think Again by adam grant this is a library book by the way it was due i think it was due monday so i need to actually take it back um <laughs> can you afford to pay those late again, fees um oh, shh, don't tell anybody uh it's just a great book it it questions everything right so i'm, I'm actually writing an article series now about yeah. uh it's called uh, the virus between us and so i'm writing i'm taking stories and data about uh how the virus like pandemic has split us mm-hmm. like not just of the 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 uh medical or health scars there's like divides from the pandemic mask and vaccination and so this has been a great book to it's a it's a psycholo it's uh psychology but it's also leadership in terms of like questioning your biases how to bring people together and if you're really trying to change something and change someone's mind it starts with changing your own mind it's it's a great book I, i i can't recommend it enough it's it's a it's a good one well i think you make the point of social distancing is actually a real thing Right, like it's actually yeah. happened throughout this whole thing, right? We're getting farther and yeah. farther apart in ways. Yeah. Um, the challenge is, is like, how do we get closer together? 
Um, yeah. Okay, so speaking of psychology, I am reading a really old one, but good one. It's Influence um, by Dr. Robert Caldini. Um, this book has had like three revisions, the last being in 2007. So it's a little bit antiquated when it comes to like some of the current social stuff. But it's not really about that. It's really more about psychology. And it has been one of those books that you're like, man, I got to handle this knowledge carefully because it feels like as you read this, it feels like like you're lifting up people's skulls and seeing like what's inside their brains. And then like, it's like, do I use this information for good or for evil? Yeah. 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 You know what I want or do I serve? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's influenced the psychology of persuasion by Dr. Robert Caldini. Yeah, it's been good. Cool, man. Well, we're at almost an hour. This has been one of the most casual and probably honest episodes we've had so far. It's good. Yeah, looking forward to uh, conversations. And if you're listening now, drop us a note. Uh, If you're on IG, drop us a DM. Or if you're, uh, you know, our our content information is on the the, um, episode uh, unfollow uh, Web page, but yeah, drop us a note. Let us know, you know, questions, comments, feedback, uh, what you love, what you don't like, but also yeah. any future, uh, you know, things you want us to dig into. We're we're pretty much open books, um, or at least trying to be as well. So there's a lot going on, and we <laughs> want to be helpful. But yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, man, I love you. I'll talk to you next week. Hey guys, this is DC, and this was the Unfollow Podcast. We hope you like what you heard today. And if you didn't, that's okay. There's 100,000 other podcasts you can choose to subscribe to. But if you like this one, do us a favor and subscribe or share it with a friend.